Welcome to Cooking the Books, the food and hospitality podcast discussing all aspects of the industry. We interview chefs, butchers, farmers, brewers, winemakers, restaurateurs, restaurant managers, and we talk about how they got to this point through the good times and the bad. We discuss what motivates them every day and what they've got planned for the future. This is Cooking the Books. This week on Cooking the Books, we have Daniel Wilson, former owner of Huxtable, co-owner of Huxtaburger, and now he's got his own consulting company, Daniel Wilson. On this episode, we talk about his time in America, his love of growing vegetables in his garden, and some tips if you're thinking about opening a restaurant. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking to Daniel on this episode. It was the first time we'd actually met. He's so open, honest, and he has a real love and passion for this industry. And I hope that comes across in this episode. And today's podcast, as always, is brought to you by City Larder, the charcuterie specialists, focusing on terrines, pâtés and rillettes for the retail market and food service here in Australia. This is the last episode of season one. We are taking a four-week break, but we will be back with more great guests to take us behind the scenes of their hospitality experience very soon. Thank you to everyone for giving us your ear every week over the last three months and a big thanks to all the people who've sent messages on social media showing their support. Now, over to the show. Well, first of all, nice to meet you. It's been a long time. Bex mentioned, and she says hi, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's always talked about you and I've seen you on Instagram and that, but we never actually met. So it's exactly. Nice to meet you in person. Yeah. And thanks very much for doing this. Uh, can you just take two seconds, Daniel, and say what, tell us what you're up to at the moment? Yeah, sure. So I'm um, still a partner in Huxterberger, but kind of stepped away from the day-to-day operations, um, doing more of a consulting kind of role. So it's very varied in what I'm doing, whether it's um, events, cooking classes, private catering, corporate catering, um, menu um, redevelopment for, for venues, so yeah, basically it's really good because it's lots of small things that engage my interest and creativity and um, yeah. Is it a new business? Is, this a, is it under a new, is it, is, it, is it like a new business or is it part of that or is it, you know, what is it? What? Well, it's just, yeah, I guess it's just me. Just and you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and also I've got a, a, a small uh, garden out in the country that I've been um, growing some stuff in and with the, the idea to sell a few things to oh, a nice. couple of restaurants. So I sold, I was selling some produce to Tipo Double O in the city over summer. And um, yeah, that's- Beautiful restaurant. Yes, so that's nice. called Hectic Broccoli, um, the garden. So it's got its own Instagram account. So, oh, okay. Um, I see you growing stuff. It's a, it's a question later on, actually. I see you growing stuff. And I, I didn't read it. So that's out in the, whereabouts is it? It's in Taradale, just past Kyneton, on oh, a friend's yeah, yeah. property. I'm going there, Kyneton. On Friday. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I'm going there for the weekend. Yeah, so it's um, it's just nice to escape. It's only an hour and five from um, where I live in North Melbourne, so yeah. it's just nice to escape the city and go talk to the plants. Yeah. <laughs> once, once a week. Yeah, exactly. And what kind of stuff is it? Obviously, it's seasonal, so what's yeah. going there at the moment? Uh, I've got broad beans, purple cauliflower, Romanesco broccoli, a few different types of kale, marsh, uh, red sorrel, Coriander, snow peas, uh, some uh, Japanese turnips, uh, candy striped beetroot, 
and and I've got a there's a greenhouse there too and I've got about five different types of chilies in there eggplant um, lettuce uh, speckled lettuce and red cos um, Kang Kong Kang Kong what's yeah Kong? Um, water spinach the, okay. the morning glory yeah, yeah. Um, and I've just planted some crisp lettuce um, a couple of days ago and the seedlings are just starting to come up at home and also passion fruit seedlings and broccoli rub. Fair bit of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, Far out. Yeah. Have you, been, have you always been into this or what, what's it going? Um, my grandparents always had gardens um, yeah, when okay. I was growing up. Um, both, both of my grandfathers were, were keen gardeners and um, my uh, funny story, my grandfather, my dad's father had a prize winning rose garden and the house they lived in for about 30 years and then they were they had it on the market and my grandma sprayed the roses <laughs> but grabbed the wrong bottle and sprayed them with um, right. Roundup oh my goodness. and so they had to rip them all out and replant them just before they sold the house oh. so that was a bit sad but yeah I did uh, horticulture in fifth form at school oh did you so I've always you know kind of liked it and and always tried to stuff grow stuff on my balcony yeah, um yeah. and whatnot but it's just nice having a a proper garden and also in north melbourne there's a, a community group called the north northwest patch which are about to establish a um a community garden at meat market oh, so beautiful. there's going to be 10 raised beds on wheels in the courtyard of meat market so i'm on the committee for that so it's going to be nice to have a a garden I can go to, walk to, rather than yeah, have yeah, to drive. Yeah, drive an hour. Yeah, that's so. awesome. I, look, I, you can see out the window. I've got a bit of rose and a bit of time and that, but I, I love the thought of it. But it's not easy, man. You've got to be on top of that. I didn't really realize. I thought you just put it in and you know, and it would grow. You know, yeah. But you've, I'm not very good at it, basically. And I love the thought of it. Yeah. I just. I've got a worm farm at home on my balcony as well, so all my green waste goes into that, and then you get the worm juice out. Yeah, worm, then, worm weed. They give yeah. it away at the farmers market yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a house just around the corner from me um, that every kind of four weeks they would put out wine bottles or plastic bottles full of worm juice that people could just grab. And on that's the great way. for the garden. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like the, manure or whatever. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's essentially like they break down the green waste and then castings. Their poo comes out and then yeah. you know you you rinse water over it and you can take the castings out and plant them in your garden. It's just awesome organic fertilizer, basically. Yeah, so yeah. And, it, and you're not putting your green waste in the bin and you water it down so it's the color of weak tea, about 10 parts to one. Makes and you then, don't get the wrong, like your nana. Get yeah, exactly. Don't get it mixed up. <laughs> and, then, and then water your plants and they go, fuck yeah. Yeah, beautiful, perfect. It's, get, it's getting more and more, isn't it? I was just saying before we started that that whole be kind to people, be nice to people. I think people now, especially, the, the next generation we're just starting to get onto it now about looking after the planet and yeah. recycling and you know all these kind of things and the, the more next generation generation after that you know electric cars and fossil exactly. fuels and all the rest of it it's, it's it's about time really you know and people going off the grid you hear i'm going off the grid you know yeah. what i mean and just being self-sustained yeah. and all the rest of it and animals a lot of people getting chickens in the city a few of my friends have got chickens and yeah having them eggs it's fun to, you know it's awesome it's just so nice to to watch things grow and nurture them and then and it's, then enjoy them and eat them and know exactly where it's come from and yeah. that you've grown it from a seed and it's just um, satisfying isn't it? yeah it's very satisfying and it's yeah. kind of very um ethereal in a way it's you know it just reminds you that life is 
kind of simple and you've just got to enjoy the small pleasures yeah exactly no it's, it's absolutely true the um going back to what you're doing now i'm just i'm pretty interested in it so is it almost like a consult like is it consultancy yeah so if yeah. someone like how would i how would say i'm going to open a is it for people who don't know how to open restaurants or is it people who come in the city and you know if someone's got an idea and they want to do it or how like i can see how it wants to work but how, how do you see the vision look there are so many different layers i mean it, it could be an established restaurant who um, has a good head chef that's good at running a kitchen but is not creative and so they will say can you create a menu and so the most important part about that is um, the brief that they give you and understanding what it is that um, they want yeah. which generally they know but they, yeah so yeah. it's asking them the right questions and drawing it out of them in a way it's kind of very much almost like counseling because yeah, yeah, yeah. you are um, just extracting the answer out of them they know it but they just don't know how to say it yeah. and then and then if they give you the right information then you can go okay well these are your options what do you think and then they'll go okay well yeah i like the sound of that and then so on and so forth or it could be someone setting up a new business that that you know doesn't wants kitchen design done or um it could just be someone that you know wants to do a, a small refit, and there are so many. I'm very lucky that over the years I've I've had lots of different experiences from. So you know designers, do you? you know designers, kitchen fitters, you know is that is that kind you know all, how to set it all up and all the rest of behind the scenes. Yeah, not just the food. Yeah, I yeah, mean that's awesome. You know, for obviously when Jeff and Dante and myself did Huxtable, we did as much as possible as we could to for the fit out of the the restaurant obviously we had builders but we dug a hole one and a half meters deep by um, 1800 by 1200 for the grease trap and and dug two meters down to the sewer line we painted the place we everything we could do we did which was awesome because when we opened and as time went on it would, you had those nice memories yeah, of yeah. being involved in and that cutting, cut, keeping costs exactly oh, that's a reality isn't it and, and then you know I guess we were kind of heavily involved um, with the design process and building process for the first probably five Huxterberger stores and every it's like anything every time you do another one you make less mistakes and you learn better ways to do things yeah, of course. and so it's that's been really interesting um but go on, sorry, yeah go it's good it's nice to be able to um I, I guess the thing is ever since Huxtable closed and and then I mean it's not like the menu at Huxterberger changes all the time so yeah, yeah. one of the things I think I, I missed a lot is the creative and, and using my hands and being able to share I, I, look at the end of the day I think that the main reason that I wanted to be a chef and that I love food is because it's um, probably in my mind the best way of sharing and nurturing and and caring you know Definitely. if you think about the um the word restaurant itself um it comes from the verb to restore so when you know the first res restaurants modern day restaurants yeah. opened in in france it, it was like a broth or soup shop and yeah. people would go there to get restored to feel better oh, right, so okay. that's that's the whole idea of of a restaurant is you know, it's hospitality industry, which I think gets forgotten a lot of the time. So, hundred percent, I totally agree. On that. I like 
it's the it's a joy of giving exactly you know what i mean that's how yeah. i feel about it for sure the, in giving that pleasure to people for sure definitely no better feeling than yeah, yeah. and and that's why it was so awesome with huxtable because the kitchen was in the the dining room so you could see people enjoying what you had created and yeah. and it's just yeah it doesn't get better than that i used to always really enjoy um working wedding nights all good working weddings um, oh yeah <laughs> yeah and, and like people are like oh but it's functions and that i'm like yeah, but you're missing the point there's so much love in the room yeah exactly and i lo- honestly like that's their day they're never going to forget that day for the rest of their life mm. you know all being well and you know everything <laughs> plans out well but you, you, generally that's the plan when you go into it mm. as we all know um and you're giving that you're giving part of that you're, they're letting you be part of that day mm. which I, I don't know I, I always love doing doing weddings how did you how did you get the or who did you get the hospitality book from or how did you get it or um i don't know i think my um you know my mum and and my grandma and um and then later on my stepmother um, were all good cooks and you know in particular my stepmother used to do a lot of baking and used to um, try a lot of different ethnic cuisines you know and I was and she had tons of cookbooks and I was as you know when I was probably 10 11 I would just read the cookbooks I remember the old um, Australian Women's Weekly Chinese cookbook and French cookbook I just used to read those and then well, they were like a monthly thing weren't they, were they like was that, is that the, or yeah. that the cookbook or they did uh, Australian Woman's Weekly or Monthly, did you, did, you, did you know that? Yeah, 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 and the cake one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. so I was just fascinated that you could take ingredients and make them into something amazing. And so I was just always fascinated with food. I was a little bit portly when I was a young fella, so I, I enjoyed my food. Yeah. And I think the thing is as well, food or, you know, family gatherings were always, you know, centered around food and so, food always made me feel good and made me feel happy. And so I guess being able to create something to share with someone else that they can enjoy it, you know? It's, yeah, yeah, it, that's it's, where you got it. And you just yeah. felt that connection that you associated with happy times. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was probably about 12 I, was, I decided, yep, yeah, no, I, w- I want to be a chef. and. And you trained in, in the US, is that right? You did your, your, your college, university, yeah. what do you, call, do you call it college? So when I was 16 and I was still in high school, um, a new restaurant opened up along the road from my house. So are you in New Zealand at this yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I rode along on my BMX and went in one Thursday afternoon and said, I want to be a chef. Do you have any kitchen hand jobs? And they said, come at four o'clock tomorrow. And I ended up working at that place for a year and a half before I moved to the States. Washing dishes? Uh, well, I washed dishes for about eight months and then I started working on the floor for a bit, another eight or so months. Um, and the first night I worked there was the busiest night that I worked there in the whole 18 months. <laughs> and I finished at two in the morning and I was like, fuck this, I'm never going back. Yeah. And then I was back there at four o'clock the next day. Yeah, yeah, so, and, and yeah, that was, and then, and my dad had just moved to the States. And then when I finished high school, he said, you know, there's an excellent program here in Grand Rapids in Michigan at the, the Grand Rapids Community College. So he said, if you would like to come over here and do that one, um, that's great. If you want to stay in Auckland and do it there, um, that's fine too. And so then I decided to have a crack um, moving over there. And, and it was a bit of a different system than, than how it works here or even New Zealand. It was a two year 
associate's degree in culinary arts. So uh, two years full time essentially, so about 35 hours a week at school. So we would have lab class every day from the first year was in the morning and then second year was at night. So you'd have about, yeah, seven till one or two every day and lab is that in, is that lab as in ki- in the kitchen yeah, yeah yeah so like yeah. for the first half of the first um semester we did eight weeks of um bake shop so yeah and they're making bread every day so repetition you know yeah, yeah. um and then not, not just do it once and tick it off exactly yeah, and yeah. then uh, the other half of that semester was skill development so stock sauces soups boning you know that kind of stuff yeah. um and then the second semester, it was you're in the restaurant, so doing lunch service. So you do um, half of the semester in the kitchen doing um, lunch service, and then half the semester um, in the front of house. Oh, it's pretty similar to to the setup that we had as well in England, mm. but not the repetition, which would have, which would have been definitely yeah. for sure. So we would make the bread for the restaurant, yeah, and then in the second year, the um, pastry we would make all the desserts for the nighttime restaurant and um, we had to, for our final exam, we had to make um, creme patissier, creme anglaise, genoise sponge, uh, three or four other things, all no recipes by hand. Oh, raspberry coolie, yeah. So raspberry coolie, yeah, yeah. what used to do raspberry coolie? And what year was this, about? 95, 96. Yeah, so- yeah, I started, I only did one year, but yeah, and I did 96 as well, so yeah. maybe it's pretty similar. And and the the instructors were amazing. I mean, our pastry instructor is a, it was a guy called Gilles Renaisson who um, did his, his apprenticeship at Fourchon in Paris and uh, is the coach of the US World Pastry Team. Oh, far out. And um, we did chocolate work, sugar work, um, pulling and blowing. Um, we, um, and then, in the other half of that semester, we had banquets and catering with a, an, an amazing uh, Scottish chef called Angus Campbell. And we did um, smoking, curing, chauffeur, aspic, um, oh, mirror presentations. He had a tent. Oh, mirror pre- for yeah. like, um, for buffets yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. I used to work at a hotel, we used to do them. Yeah. Salmons and pork yeah. salmon. Yeah, galantines. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, I love all that. Uh, yeah, and, um, and then um, in the last semester it was, um, in the kitchen at night time and then front of house um, half and half and uh, when the front of house at night time we did table side Gerardon service yeah. so you know like uh, with the trolley yeah with the yeah, trolley yeah. Caesar salad and the wooden bowl and yeah. um, oh steak oh, I can't remember what it was called some steak flamed with brandy not Diane it was something else and um, Chasseurs is it yeah, oh, I can't remember it's a long time ago now um, and crepes Suzette oh, and crepes Suzette, yeah, yeah, bananas yeah. Foster. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It sounds like it was an awesome training. Like, yeah. was it? Is it? I, I think I know the answer to this, but is it um, quite highly regarded in America? Yeah, like, yeah. Is that the goal? It's most a, people go to culinary college or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Then go where I would say here, most people learn on the job, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. And and you know, it had its pluses and minuses. So it's essentially like the Culinary Institute of America, but yeah, yeah but um, public, not private. So it's not 60 yeah. grand for a two year course. Yeah. And, but 
I was working full time at the same time. So I was at a country club. Um, first, before I had my work permit, I was working um, at the college because I was a student, I was allowed to work there. And um, I did ice carving. Um, I used to work for the banquets and catering at the college. And, That's awesome. And Angus was uh, right into his ice carving. So, you know, I'd probably did uh, about 10 different things. I did a bear, that was probably my favorite one. Do you reckon you could still do it? Yeah. You reckon, well, yeah? it's just it's just chipping away until you you know yeah, use yeah. the chainsaw to get the main shape and then you just use chisels until it looks like it's yeah. supposed to. Are you quite artistic anyway or not? Uh, I'm not good at drawing, but okay, okay. yeah, more Sculpture. tactile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was really awesome. That and seems like it's such a good thorough foundation it sounds like the way it should be do you know what i mean yeah I, I, i'm always torn between this it's quite easy to say oh it's a waste of time going to college is a waste mm. of time it's an easy thing to say you know but also working on the job is great if you if the job is prepared to train you yeah, do you know exactly. what i mean like the, and if you're willing to put the time in yeah. and and you know like anything you get out what you put in exactly. and if you if you treat uh, my thoughts and uh, about the flaws of the apprenticeship system is um, so many people that I've seen over the years it's like oh I've only got school tomorrow I'll go out and get pissed tonight because that's just a joke you know like and and I always looked at it like this um, that at school you might learn the proper way to do it which might not necessarily be the best way because uh, you know processes and, and techniques evolve over time but the more information you have that that um, skill that you thought was ridiculous back then might actually come in handy later in life. Definitely. And so it's just uh, like having more arrows in your quiver, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. The, only, the only other thing is, is, it, is that because of the way that, you know, is it because of the way that the threat at school, is it not serious enough? Is it that the, the students aren't selected it? In well enough do they just take you know it's endless you could go yeah, so deep into it like exactly. if you're going to work and you're all serious and you're thinking that's a day off is it because when you go there there's other students that don't really care chatting messing around and you just want to get your work done and you end up getting dragged you know it's, it's yeah, so, yeah. Many, so, so many so many factors that go yeah, into yeah, it yeah exactly definitely and then um, you did a try a stage was it six months is it a stage or a work experience or yeah so a Daniel Balut yeah it? Daniel I had a green card so so um, when dad got transferred over there and and I moved there part of the deal was that um, the company he worked for got green cards for the whole family so when I moved I moved back to New Zealand for a year in 97 and then I came over here at the end of 97 to visit a couple of friends that were working in the Stokehouse over summer and I was here for a week and went, holy shit, this place is awesome, and went back to New Zealand, sold all my stuff, and moved here two weeks later. So, and then I I worked at a couple of places and ended up working at Blake's um, restaurant at Southgate, and that's probably where my love for, for, I already loved Asian cuisine, but it was pretty much Chinese, (laughs) was all I knew, and getting exposed to, you know, lemongrass, galangal, uh, you know, Thai food, all of that, just, I was like, yep, this is it, and, so I worked there for a few months and, um, no, for about 18 months and each year I'd have to go to Hawaii for a week just to get a stamp on my passport because yeah. you can't be out of the States for more than a year, otherwise yeah. they take it off you. That was a week Hawaii. Yeah, you know, it was, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. And, um, except I was a, a, a broke commie chef, you know. <laughs> um, and then, so after 
two years I thought okay well I'd always wanted to work in New York and um, I'd um, kind of I'd, I wanted to work at the Park Avenue Cafe with um, David Burke I, I really thought his food was interesting but mm. then I decided I wanted to work at Daniel because I've always loved classic French cuisine yeah, and, me too. and um, so I thought well he's got the same name so <laughs> I, We've got something in common. Yeah, <laughs> so I just called up and spoke to the, the uh, chef de cuisine, which was a guy called Alex Lee, very, very good chef and nice guy. And I said, I'm coming next week. Um, can I come in for an interview? And he said, yep, sure. So I, I fronted up. I arrived there on Valentine's Day and the, I went for my uh, interview on the 17th and it was snowing that morning. And I went... What? It's that it's February, isn't it? Yeah. I have it in New York. It's brutal. Yeah. It's absolutely brutal. I cried walking down the street <laughs> in New York. Yeah, well, the wind February. whips just down the, oh down the street. Anyway, so it, yeah. it just flashed there. I was like, when you said it was snowing, I was like, that is probably the coldest I've ever been in my life. Anyway, yeah. sorry, go on. And so I went in the grand entrance of uh, a restaurant, Daniel, on East 65th and Park Ave, and this little, little guy from New Zealand who's been in Australia, and she said, okay, I'll just wait here and Daniel will be out in a minute and then he came the man. yeah and he said okay come into the kitchen and we're gonna go in the skybox and the yeah so I, I read his auto read like loose term kind of read his yeah I think he's got an autobiography is it not about I read the fourth a, star yeah yeah there yeah yeah well, and it talks about that it's skybox up there and I, I I used to visualize it when I, when yeah. I read it yeah so it's not it's not uh, intimidating at all when yeah. you walk into a kitchen and there's about 30 chefs and they're whites with toques on and and he's like okay up here and you're sitting in this glass encased little uh, room with a table for six overlooking the kitchen and he says, so what do you, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, I'd like to work on the fish section, I think. I really enjoy uh, cooking fish and the restaurant I've been working at, I've been, you know, working on the, the pan section. And he said, okay, well, you start on garbage, What do you want to get paid? And I think I said, oh, 600 a week. He said, okay, well, you get, you work a five day week and a six day week, you'll get 400 for the five day week and 500 for the six day week. And I was like, okay. Yeah. He was like, you start tomorrow. Far, far out. And so I was shitting bricks. And, of course. You know, and I remember that. With your knife roll, just rock up with your yeah. knife roll. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, they provided uniforms. And so I go, so there was a lunch crew and a dinner crew. So the lunch crew would start at 6 a.m. And then at three o'clock, they would pack up their stuff and go down to the prep kitchen um, in the basement. And then the lunch the dinner crew would start at, which i was in would start at about 11 and then finish uh, and then at three o'clock we'd go upstairs i think we were supposed to start at 12 but you'd start at about 10 yeah. just to make sure <laughs> and then you'd go up at three o'clock set up your section finish off your mise en place and um and then you know finish at Get 12 or whatever yeah, yeah. and they were closed sundays but open mondays so the lunch and uh dinner crew used to um do 50 50. Oh, uh, sorry, like, alternating oh, each week. Like, okay, yeah. it wasn't like the the A team was the night one and the B team was the lunch one. Unspoken. Yeah. Okay, Unspoken. Yeah. But yeah, the funny thing was half uh, the chefs were French and half were American and I was a Kiwi who spoke French, so I was Switzerland. French? Yeah. yeah, well, I've never been to France, but I did three years at high school. Yeah, okay, I, yeah. How was that? How, what was it like? In the, you know, it's, a, it's one of the real major kitchens of the world, mm. isn't it? It is, like, he is like a, 
he's a, he's one of the top top guys. Yeah. He really is. It was it was mind blowing. I mean, we had you know President Clinton come in while I was there, and every celebrity you can imagine, Richie Sambora and um, what's her name. Um, whatever his wife was Heather Locklear came into the kitchen to have a photo with all the chefs it was surreal at times and and these um, the French chefs he would bring them over they they would be working for his friends in France so you know there were guys from uh, that worked for Michel Garrard um, Georges Blanc you know they it was just like the who's who the who's who and, and when Elaine I was working there when Elaine Ducasse was opening his restaurant in New York and one day the phone rang in the kitchen um, because it was right next to the the garmage and I answered it and he was like, hello, this is Alain. I'm like, oh my God. Fangirl moment. Yeah, Yeah, so. Exactly, amazing. Yeah, it was pretty pretty amazing to see, but it was, um, I remember my first, the first thing I did in that kitchen ever on that first day I started and um, the sous chef, the garmage and and hot entree section said to me okay you need to make this apple and celery gelée for the crab salad and so I got the juicer out because I had to juice the apples and the celery and and I was shitting bricks and I put it on the bench and I plugged it in and I started putting the celery and the apples in and then it kind of jammed and was just like and made this massive noise and I'm just like can it not? Yeah. Can it not? <laughs> Can it not? <laughs> like, who's this FNG? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep, so. It's so intimidating. Oh, mate. It's so, so intimidating. Yeah. And then, excuse me, it's almost like, I was just visualising then as you were saying, like, you're almost like putting your head underwater and just looking at this, like, elite. Yes. Do you know what I mean? You were there for six months. Or, and that is the creme de la creme. That is the top of the, of the, of the food chain, isn't it? Yeah. Really, it really is there, per se. French Laundry, yeah. Gordon Ramsay, Alan Decay. All these, mm. you would never say Daniels is below any of that. You know, I think it was, was it the first, is it four stars? Do they call it four stars? Well, it was four stars in New York Times. Four stars and then New York Times, yeah. I was there in 2000, and then it was a, couple of years after that the Michelin Guide came out and three star, right? it started at three then it went up uh, at two then it went up to three for a few years and then I think a couple of years ago it dropped back down to two yeah, we're not judging are we let's be honest yeah, no. yeah. but you know we were it seats 120 and we would do uh, at least two sittings sometimes three oh so goodness. the most we ever did was 350 in a night so it at was that like level, at that level wow, so mega it was it was intense and we never did less than 200 um, in a dinner service when I was there so it was you know yeah fantastic hectic yeah exactly exactly and, the, and you, you said you worked for Andrew when you got back did you work for Jack Ramon after that was it so then when I came back I went back to Blake's as a sous chef and then Andrew Blake was opening Blake's Cafeteria in Greville Street in Paran so you just so you know, how quickly that's six six months in New York how, what kind of trajectory did that put you on working there for six months in that environment um, oh mate I was still on Gamage eh? yeah. <laughs> you know but it just, just opened my that, eyes yeah, yeah seeing it a lot the way that they're packing down the way that the, the yeah, produce yeah, comes yeah, in exactly. managing the produce chip quality control yeah. you know just the way you hold yourself carry yourself yeah. understand the situation delegation understand it, yeah. you know, it's like, it was like and this is it wasn't like the military but it was you know that really regimented kind of it changes of, your mindset yeah you know and I mean? and there was one guy David who was on uh, the pasta section and he was a bit of a cheeky bugger and one day him and Daniel had a massive fight in French and he walked out 
and then the guy that was on the rotisserie section because that was kind of the the bottom feeder of the hot section yeah he straight into a section it was just like okay there's my chance yeah you yeah. know <laughs> just, straight out of bed yeah, straight in yeah <laughs> it was like uh, it was just yeah it was, it <laughs> was, was crazy and but uh, I, I remember one thing in particular that I did learn from there and my sous chef was an amazing chef called uh Cornelius Gallagher or Neil and um who's gone on to do fairly well for himself um looked kind of like Bobby Flay he didn't like being told that but um <laughs> He, he was very, um, you know, your section always had to be, your cloths had to be folded properly and you had to, everything had to be In perfect. Place, and, yeah. and, you know, he would come up behind you. If, if you hadn't wiped the bench well enough, he would come up behind you and just kind of grab you um, just above your elbow yeah. and just squeeze and just point. And so he, I learned a lot from him. He was, he was pretty intense and he was, this was 2000, as I said, and he was right into the whole elbowy thing, and yeah. you know, back then, and he was uh, right into MMA, and you know, used to work out, and he was intense, but yeah. very, very creative, and but very, this is how things are done. I think he had worked at Le Bernardin um, for a few years before that, and you know, so the the amount of um, hours in top kitchens in that kitchen was just you know yeah, i was yeah. just like i'm not worthy yeah, yeah. great experience yeah. hey so then you come back you were sous chef at sorry yeah. I, I interrupted you you come back you went to andrew blake's yep and then open blake's cafeteria and i was co-head chef with a lady called emma mckay who um is an amazing chef um in particular pastry chef and so it was both of us it was our first head chef gig and um and that was a different beast again because it was breakfast lunch and dinner seven days and so um that was intense but after about 18 months um and and you know it it did really well but unfortunately because the restaurant was kind of um you know not doing so well and he hadn't been looking after it as it deserved one could say and you know rents at southgate were pretty um hectic and so that folded and then the writing was on the wall for the cafeteria and so um i read that jacques ramond was opening a restaurant at fed square and um i looked in the cbd and you know he's got a good reputation yeah i'd I'd heard of him and so then yeah i I opened a renji forum and was there for four and a half years which was that's a good stint again an, an amazing experience there i learned um he pretty much gave me free reign on the menu and um, would give feedback, but but mostly left me alone. I didn't see any hissy fits or anything. And, That's awesome. Um, but I learned more about business there, yeah. um, which was really good. Um, and then from there, I went to the Graham in Port Melbourne, uh, which was owned by the two guys who were the managers when I worked at Blake's, um, identical twins, Peter and Tony um, Giannakis. And, and that was great because it, it was, Orenji was excellent and I learned a lot there, but it was, it was big and it was kind of a bit more casual. Whereas the Graham, I got to, you know, cook um, the food I wanted to cook a bit more rather than the food the place, um, uh, you know. Needed. Needed, yeah. yeah. And um, so, and then, yeah, been there for two and a half years and then I, I had the opportunity to open a restaurant with so, two uh, mates. So that's what I was going to say. So with all that knowledge, did you did you go into it feeling confident? No, no. no. When do we ever feel confident? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. that's 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 
that's part of it. If you're too confident, then it doesn't work, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. of course, you you go into it with the knowledge, but you can't walk into it like you're King Dick because um, at the end of the day, as they say, you're only as good as the last meal you cook. Yeah. And and but in saying that, without a good team around you, oh, you you yeah, solo, you're stuffed. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was very lucky to to um, have a. Uh, a girl by the name of Jenny, um, Yenny, who had worked for my friend Christian at his restaurant, the Matterhorn in Wellington, yeah. and had just moved over here. And also uh, a first year apprentice, Krista, who I uh, hired at the Graham, and um, she came with me to, to Huxtable, and um, the three of us, without those two girls, it, it wouldn't have wouldn't been, happened. yeah. And, and they, the three of us were like, we had a common vision and Jenny is German and just, you know. I love the German. She efficiency and yeah, like, yeah. and, and. Straight down the line, you yeah, know where you are with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just like a machine. Yeah. And, um, and Krista, you know, took on the, the pastry section and really, you know, pushed herself to hone her skills and, and her creativity was amazing. And so I recently said to Jenny, I said, if it wasn't for you, you know, and Krista, like, I, that was the platform to really progress what you've gone on to do. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess what it allowed me to do was to be able to be creative, mm. but know that, you know, because maybe organisation is, is not my strong suit. They had your back in that set. I exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and I love working with uh, females in the me kitchen too. because they're more organised, they're cleaner, tidier. Um, look it would be wrong to say they care a little bit more but they just um they have a lighter touch yeah yeah and um and it, it, there's nothing worse than you know a kitchen full of um dickheads I, I couldn't agree with you honestly i couldn't agree with you more i am um, i wouldn't like to work with too many yeah <laughs> but you know because it could get bitchy or catty or whatever i'm, I'm not suggesting that but it, it, there's a chance it could yeah but too many guys, oh, it's horrible. Dick I fist. hate, yeah, yeah, I hate that like macho, like yeah. I was out last night and look what, you know, like building site kind of, I just couldn't, it makes me cringe. You know, yeah, honestly, absolutely. It, I hate it. Where if you have a one or two girls, it just dulls that testosterone down. Exactly. And it just makes a nice, because no one wants to be rude and if they are rude, someone will step in and say, hey, well, like, exactly. wind your neck and that could be someone's sister or yeah. you know, whatever. So. Yeah, I definitely love having a girl around. And like you say, organisation, yeah. lists, yes, and, you know, yeah. and all that kind of, there's yeah. always a list kicking around. Exactly. And we need to get this sorted as a function <coughs> next week and go in and like beautiful. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the thing is, you know, in, in hospitality and the kitchen in particular, we end up spending more time with these people than our own families. Yeah. And so it's important that there's a, a nurturing um, environment and it's not, a, I've never... Fortunately, I've never worked in a kitchen um, that has had a lot of aggro or, um, you know, I, I don't see fear as a motivator. Um, I think, you know, if someone understands, is given clear instructions and understands what is expected, uh, expected of them, then there's there's no reason to berate them. If they can't do it, they can't do it, and then you put them in a different section or whatever but no one goes to work to be yelled at or to be yeah. treated like a moron you know yeah. and and uh, I'm lucky that I've never worked in that environment but I dare say that if I did I wouldn't stay uh, you know I don't to work in yeah, yeah. yeah it's just for what yeah 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 
life's too short. Yeah, I've probably come to that conclusion as well. <laughs> over the years, it took a while. I'm not that smart. And um, you, you want to you want to hide the restaurant, right? You, yeah, yeah. Yep. How was that? That must have been a great achievement. And business, did it do well for business? And uh, funnily enough, um, and. Uh, it doesn't, it, having a hat does not translate to more bums on seats, always, really? yeah. Okay. Um, at, um, going back a few years in 2001, or yeah, it was for the 2002 Good Food Guide, or maybe it was 2003 Good Food Guide, I can't remember. But um, Emma and I won Young Chef of the Year and the Age Good Food Guide, and I think it was the 2003 edition, and a, and a hat. Yeah, man. So that was that's amazing. That was amazing. So yeah. it was. I that blew my mind. And um, how old were you being at that point? Twenty-four. Uh, uh, yeah, man. And then, um, and then, kind of went from there to Arenji, and we had all the prospects of getting a hat there. But the the review in the in the Epicure didn't always translate to a hat in the guide. Oh, yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, it was. But it was, I think. The third, fourth, and fifth year at Huxtable that we got hats. No, the first two years we didn't, which yeah. was kind of crushing because you know everyone yeah, yeah. would say, "Oh, you know, you deserve it," and but you know, well, it didn't come. <laughs> it eventually but, came. And and the thing was, it was like we're busy, everyone's happy, we're we're putting out a good product, people love coming here. Yes, it would be nice to get recognition and get a hat, but you know, I'd have to say that. You know, it was almost almost our heyday before we got the hat, and then we got the hat, and it, it didn't increase. But I mean, obviously, Smith Street changed a lot in that time. Yeah. And you know, when we opened there, there was pretty much Gigi Bubba, and that was about it. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, over the next three, four years, it just went nuts. Competition. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's it's. I tell you that restaurant business is a fucking mm. ruthless, rough game. Like. Oh, mate. Yeah, it, 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 the longevity. It, very few restaurants get longevity. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's. I don't like we we don't we you know we have the charcuterie business and and I sat down and, and ran figures for a long time like trying to work out how to write a business plan for a cafe for a mid mid price restaurant a quick eat a, you know a fine dining restaurant. By the time you run the figures, the wages and da da da. Like you just, how you make it work is fucking beyond me. Seriously, ah. if you borrow money and you've got to pay the money back, and you need to pay the money back, you've got to take the money. You've got to have enough money to pay everyone. If it's quiet lulls, you know we come up up to um, school holidays. It could be two weeks ah. where you just fuck. Everyone goes away. Christmas, yeah. you know, January. Everyone might go away from the city yeah. on holiday. And it's, you need enough money to pay that. The oven goes down. It's yeah, just oh, like, oh, it's putting out fires hell. constantly. It's it's a it's there's a, look there's when it's going well and everything's running smoothly. There's no better feeling. But then when you know that that first couple of weeks of winter when um, no one goes out and especially mm. now these days with disruptions like Uber Eats and whatnot, yeah, and yeah. people can sit on their couch in their PJs and just. Order some food. It would take like thirty percent or something. Though. It's like something. I I don't know. I couldn't say for sure. They take a lot of money. I yeah, know that. and um, and yeah. So you know, people from the outside think, oh, this is amazing. You know, I can get this delivered. And um, why bother going out? Why bother going out? Get a six out? pack and get it delivered. Yeah, but the 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 restaurants are getting gouged. Yeah, so absolutely. they're losing margin plus. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like the whole um, penalty rate 
yeah, debate yeah, exactly. that, you know, people... What's your view on that? Oh, look, at the end of the day, I think it's a seven-day society now. Yeah. You'd have to be a fool not to say that it's a seven-day society. It's not like everyone works Monday to Friday and then everyone has the weekend off. Yeah, yeah. It, you, you can do just about anything every, any day of the week. And, you know, often it's the people that are not, uh, that are students during the week or whatever that are working on the weekend. So I, the problem is, is that the general public and uh, certainly the more left-leaning people uh, say, well, you know, you've got to pay these people what what they're supposed to yeah, be paid. Yeah, yeah. But then if, and, and, and the, in the past, restaurants haven't necessarily all, always done that. But in order to be able to do that, you'd need to put the prices up. Yeah, and, on a weekend. Or, or across the board yeah. and uh, say 20%, but the public aren't willing to pay that because they're quite happy to pay the least that they can. Yeah. But yet, when you're not paying the money, I get it. Exactly. It's almost like, well, okay, this is the price on a Monday. If you want me to pay a penalty rate, well, we're going to have to get that money back from somewhere. So on a Saturday, it's a, it's a bit like Italy. If you if you sit in, it's this price. Yeah. You stand at the bar, it's this price. If you leave, it's this price. It's almost like that. Like yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, well, Monday or Friday, it's this price because the staff costs this much. Yeah. Saturday, it's this, and Sunday, it's this, and that's yeah. That's it. It would be an interesting concept to have a, a place that's on a sliding scale, depending on how busy it is. Kind of like a an, an Uber. Um, uh, oh yeah, a busier it gets, higher yeah. the price. Yeah. There was a bar in in um, in Manchester, like a, a cocktail bar that used to have like a like a stock exchange yeah. thing, and the drinks would be on on the stock exchange, effectively, you know. Yeah, on the ticket tape. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it changed, like you know, I don't know, gin martinis, twelve but twelve quid, and then it goes gin martinis, seven quid, and it was like, I'll have a ticket, you know, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. that kind of thing. But yeah, it's the yeah. same kind of thing. Well, I mean, know? you think about it with um, airlines, you know, you want to fly at Christmas, pre- mm. be prepared to pay. Exactly. You know? Well, I, definitely. You put the price up with Chris, on Christmas Day, why do you put the price up on Christmas Day? Like, yeah. what, what's, what's it? Because it's Christmas Day. Well, exactly, that's why the price goes up. It's Saturday, you're yeah. off. It's nice being yeah. off, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, ladies have to work, so this is the price on Saturday. I think it's a great idea. Like. Yeah. The problem is everyone would have to do it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because, and you know, then it, it, won't, it would just be the way it is. But yeah. I, 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 yeah, penalty rates, I, I'm, I'm totally torn between because I used to hate working Sunday and Sunday used to drive me mad. It's just, it's so complicated because Sunday I hate weird working. Saturday, you're in a restaurant, what do you expect? You, you join the restaurant business, why do you expect to get paid more? You know, that's yeah. the other thing. Is like, why are we getting penalised? It's a restaurant business. That's yeah. just the way it is. Uh, but then on a Sunday, I think, I just don't think people should have to work Sunday. But if you have a business, Sunday is a great day. If I, had, if I had a restaurant, Sunday lunch, big day. So yeah. it's, such a, it's such a hard... I know. Look, I guess at the end of the day, if you have a business and you choose to open on the weekend, these are the rules and you have to stick by it. And if your business is not viable, paying the staff what they have to be paid, well... You don't have a business. Yeah. I taught you, that's what I always say. Like, if these are the rules, and you can't build your business within these rules, you don't have a business. Yeah. They're the rules. You the can't rules. do it for love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's really... What, what, um, 
What tips would you give someone who is thinking about opening a, opening a restaurant apart from don't bother? Just, <laughs> no, that sounds so negative. Yeah. I don't mean that. that is, I really, really don't mean Be that. Be prepared to, to immerse, have your life immersed in it. I mean, like I said, it is very rewarding, um, it's, but it's a young person's game and it's... Um, it's I, I miss it dearly, but I couldn't even dream of, of opening another restaurant, uh, you know, of my own because I just, uh, you know, I don't have the energy or the... the you have so many in you. Yeah, uh, all the time and, and um, which is awesome. But uh, I guess one of the, mo- the, the most important thing is be realistic about what you want. Decide exactly what it is you want and be realistic about it and make sure you've got enough capital because that's where people always go wrong they they you know have just enough to get it open and then to pay for, or not even to pay for opening stock so they already start a month behind and one of the most important things is to um, have tax management plans so you basically you're putting aside your GST every week yeah, into yeah. a separate account so that when Bass is due, you're not like, oh shit, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul um, because. As soon as you get down that hole. Yeah, once you're down the rabbit hole, you know, it's, um, it's like quicksand. That, that money thing, it's just, and you know, you see these restaurants that are doing well, that have been, you know, they've been established for 10, 15, 20 years, Mm. do you know what I mean? You know, like, like Cutler and Core, people like these, you know, Chinchin even, you know, these restaurants. Yeah. But there's a couple, like, they've either been going forever or they've got big, big money, man. They yeah, exactly. Big money. Yeah, absolutely. It really, unless it's a husband and wife team, 30-seater, open on that, and it's more like yeah. a, it's almost just so you can have the days off or you can have, you know, it is what it is, and you're just trying to survive, you know, you just yeah, yeah. take Make wage, enough, yeah. you're happy, and you just plod along for the next, you know, it's all good. But if you really, if you want staff, staff is the problem. It's not the problem, but that is... When you've got to start paying 10 people's wages, fucking hell, like yeah. when the wage bill's starting to hit like 15 grand a week, yeah. like, then rent's on top and stock. And, yeah, you know. yeah, and the, and the oven breaks down yeah. and the, the water pipe bursts. It's or, tough, man. Yeah, it's a, and I love the industry more than anything, you know. It's, it's 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 so good and, and I, I think it's really good these days that it's more so, um, you know, there's a real community and, and people kind of... Uh, Back in the olden days, it used to be, you know, if someone got a new ingredient that um, a farmer started growing, they'd keep it all to themselves and, you know, but it's very much more inclusive. Sharing, yeah, sharing, yeah, exactly. Which is... It definitely, and I don't want to come across. I don't want to sound negative because I, again, I love the restaurant business. It's just realistic. If you're going to do it, you might as well go in with your eyes wide open. Exactly. And understand these yeah. are what you need to do. These are the consequences. You need to have this sorted out because telling people, no, no, it's great. It's a great industry, and well, you know, it's it's not. You know, you need you need to be realistic about things, don't you? Really? Totally, totally. What um, how would you what would you say your style of cooking was? Um. Well, it still is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Sorry, my bad. Um, I love Southeast Asian cuisine. Um, yeah. I love French cuisine, and I l- love Japanese. Are prob- they're probably my three main cuisines that I love. And when I say Southeast Asian, probably Thai slightly over Vietnamese, but also Malaysian. Um, I just love. I love the the freshness and spice of, of Thai food, you know, especially this like grilled seafood salad. Um, but I love the kind of 
tradition of of French cuisine and just using um, the best produce you can and treating it with a light touch and um, just I think overall I would have to say I love um, using amazing produce and just not fucking around with it too much letting it be what it is and kind of just allowing the ingredients to complement each other rather than um, trying to turn it into something unrecognizable and you know yeah yeah I get it I totally yeah. get it I think what, when I read your book before I did some I did some research obviously about you but I read the book first and then um, and I, as I was, I was flicking through it, I was thinking oh because there's a terrine in there I think yeah, there, yeah. yeah there's a and then there's the um the salmon tail and there's you know there's kimchi yeah there's a few bits of and I, and I was like oh like you know with the terrine and, and then that and the kimchi and I was like it's a bit of a mix like do you know what I mean I, yeah I yeah it classic, is uh, classical French style stuff and I could see some like modern stuff and I could see some a lot of quite a bit of Asian influence and then when I started reading I seen Daniels I was like oh right okay and then you know and then Blake's and I was like oh right now and it really comes through that you do have a, like a distinct style of your own in that sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, totally. I don't like trying to suck you off, in, you know, but that, <laughs> that's kind of, like, I do feel like that, that, that you could, once reading the book, reading your background, the, the, the joint mm. is real clear, actually. Yeah, well, I'm a, a product of my environment, as we all are. Yeah. And, and I'm lucky that I, one, I knew I wanted to be a chef when I was young, and two, I've, I've been able to kind of absorb different things from different areas and being be able to go okay I really like that I want to be better at that yeah. and constantly learning and you know I mean traveling obviously is 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 amazing visiting other countries and markets and whatever for the inspiration it's um, the best education you can get yeah traveling, it changes and, you. and just trying different things and you know um, but yeah I, I think I just think I, I at the end of the day if I had to say what my style is, it's food that I'd like to eat. Yeah. And if Thanks. you're cooking something that you like, and um, there's a good there's a good chance that other people will enjoy it too. But if you're doing something that you want to eat, then you're always gonna not do it better. But it's if you're interested in something, you're yeah, gonna, exactly. Because you're gonna put a bit, mis- yeah. a bit more into it. I get it. I like that that, that salmon tail. It's almost like the collar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, the collar's yeah. getting a, a, quite a lot of love at the moment. Yeah. But the tails are. It's it's just you know it's working. It's you know. It's just, well, that was a um, that was actually a byproduct that they had in New Zealand. Salmon cutlets are very popular. Oh, okay. And so they would um, cut salmon cutlets from the rest of the fish um, for you know fish shops or whatever. Yeah. And so they'd have all these tails left over. And so it was an awesome way of using up something that would... Generally go into fish cakes or yeah, whatever else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it's a delicious piece of yeah, meat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was um, that was very popular. And, was yeah. it? When you had yeah. the... Yeah. And that was, you know, that was inspired by when I was at Blake's, we used to do a, a deep fried, well, it was either Snapper, Baby Barramundi or Murray Cod with um, Thai three flavoured sauce and um and vegetable root chips actually which were a nightmare to make i remember <laughs> but um yeah so i mean i and then i kind of went okay well that's cool and i'm like well, why can't i do that with the salmon tail yeah. and then with a pomelo and coconut salad so yeah. it was you know a product of where i'd come from but with my own kind of spin on it yeah from new zealand mm. yeah exactly and then in two was it 2011 you opened Hoxterburger? 
2011? Yeah. yeah. And December 22nd. Was it? Oh. Three days before Christmas. Are you serious? <laughs> what did that one? Was that on purpose or were you running late? Yeah, it was a race to the line. It was like if yeah. we don't get open before Christmas, it'll be the 10th of Jan. Yeah, yeah. So everyone, let's. Everyone gets away. Yeah. And was that at the beginning? Of the, the burger boom, or were you yeah. the burger boom? Yeah, one could argue that we were... The burger boom? Well, look, uh, to be fair, I would say that um, that Beatbox Kitchen, Raf Rashid's mm. truck was probably, you know, a bit That's, of... Is that the big grey one? Is that the grey yeah, 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 that looks like a beatbox. Beatbox, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he, he was kind of the pioneer of the, the food truck thing, uh, the modern food truck movement, I would say, in Melbourne, um, and also to some degree burgers um but yeah i i would say that we were you know one of the first yeah did, how did what, what made you did did you just feel that or was it coming from america or did you just like feel it that it was coming or do, do you know what i mean were you, were you were you sensing that and trying to jump on it and be like this is a, a way we could make money like or it's a good viable business that we could grow quite not easily by any means but you know it's a, a we could chain it or you know multiple venues and the rest of it or was it just we like burgers we want to make, open a burger stop yeah pretty much i mean at the restaurant it was good because at dinner time um we were very busy but at lunchtime um there wasn't much going on because people didn't want to come in and have a Sit proper meal and, yeah, yeah. and i was saying to dante one night after work it was about three in the morning we we're sitting there having drinks in the window in the bar and i said we should open a burger shop and because, uh, you know, a lot of people that work and live in the area would go to Enley and get a banh mi or to the kebab shop. And so it was that sub $10 yeah. um, lunchtime Grab offering. Yeah, kind of exactly. Yeah. And and the whole idea behind it was kind of like the love child of a, a New Zealand fish and chip shop burger and an American burger that but just with restaurant sensibilities. So good quality produce. Um, cooked fresh you know like um good ethics yeah yeah exactly fresh uh, lettuce fresh tomato um homemade mayo you know just good yeah and tasty and there wasn't much in the area so it's probably about six months we um kind of were looking at maybe trying to take over the um kebab shop two doors down and sent a friend in to do some sniffing around there and they <laughs> They were dreaming. I think they said they were turning over twelve grand a week, and they said we'll sell you the business for two hundred thousand. I was like, mm, something's <laughs> not quite right here. Yeah. And then yeah, a guy uh, who had a Chinese restaurant across the street came and used to always give us business advice. It was very kind of him. Yeah. Um, came over and said the advice uh, you don't ask for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> came over and said, oh, I'm. Do you know anyone who's looking to sell uh, buy a a business or a space you know and we said well actually yeah. and because he was moving down to Carlisle Street in Bal Balaclava and um, so yeah we, we took over that space so it was quite handy it was across the road yeah 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 and, and then yeah it just went nuts and what, so what was the difference between like you know coming from like a we'll say refined restaurant you know that you know to a bit more of a casual well a lot more casual mm. grab and go kind of burger shop what, what, like systems the whole thing was yeah good. yeah it, it was uh, you know i it was uh, even though it was more simple it, it wasn't easier 
yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, for sure, nothing's easy, is it? Um, and, uh, you know, we tried to keep it very simple from the start. We had five burgers that were all beef, and that was it. Yeah. And we kind of um, thought of it being kind of like a bit of a grumpy old man, kind of, this is what we do, and we do yeah. it well, and that's it. If you like it, great. If you don't, well, yeah, tough luck. Um, and... So yeah, it was it was different, and um, but we had some awesome staff that really. You I was know. going to ask you that because you, you you're trying to make a great product, but generally working for a burger place, you're kind of not going to get a great chef. You know, yeah. really, that's a reality. For sure, for that's sure. A reality. Uh, you're going to get a student or something like that. So that, that must have been a, 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 a tricky, but if you said you've got good staff. Yeah, well, we did originally have chefs, you know. Yeah. So, and they would wear their chef jackets, cooking the burgers on the grill in the window, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then over time, it, it evolved. You know, we added tofu because we realised that vegetarians' money is the same as um, else carnivores. Is. Yeah, exactly. And chicken, and so to be a bit more inclusive. And, you know, the, the market was changing a bit with, you know, people popping up here there and everywhere and so we wanted to kind of you know um grow the business and and offer different things yeah of course definitely and how many stores have you got now uh eight i believe bloody hell yeah so we opened in perth about two months ago i think and we're opening in sydney uh beginning of august i believe in redfern that's amazing. Yeah. So. And you're still involved in it. It's still. Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I'm a partner and a shareholder. I, I'm not involved in the day-to-day operations. We've got an amazing CEO and an awesome brand marketing manager and operations manager. So, we've kind of grown the the head office team, um, which are to do things better than what we're. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. employ people better than you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, and and I think you know, also they can look at it. Um, a bit more objectively as well as as what it is rather than Do you like numbers and, and is that well yeah and, and taking the emotion out of it and yeah. you know i think Not your baby yeah yeah it's um, now a teenager and that yeah yeah and 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 be realistic about um systems processes you know that type of stuff and you know um so yeah we're very lucky to have uh, an amazing team that are that are really it's an amazing journey that to be fair to come on from having one shop to having a now a CEO like, yeah I know it's mega it's mind blowing it is it re- it's it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy thing to, to think that you built that and it almost like it was a side project effectively you know you've got mm. the restaurant that I guess that's kind of what it yeah exactly like, and, and then, then that's Grew yeah, a big, exactly. Like a big bloody flower or whatever, yeah. doing really well. It's amazing. And how do you think you guys keep on top? Because there's a lot of burger places around now, and you're still growing and expanding, like you say, going into Sydney and that. And places are closing down. So what, what keeps you on top, Jerkin? Um, well, look, it's um, I'm not going to pretend it's easy. Um, I think, like we were mentioning earlier. Um, you've just got to concentrate on what you're doing and try to block out the noise around you and um, keep keep your eyes on the prize, so to speak, and um, and just uh, just not necessarily react, but try to kind of be a market leader rather than a follower, and just and yeah, just just um, look after your staff. Um, staff are key. Yeah. yeah, make them feel appreciated, and um, and and at the end of the day, it's all for the customers. So, you know, if you instill that in your staff, it's all about the culture. And if they um, are always 
doing their best for the customer then you know but as soon as there's people taking shortcuts or cutting corners or just not caring then you know it's it's evident very quickly if everyone cares it's a, it makes life so mm. much easier doesn't it yeah you're there yeah you're there so you might as well just give it 100 do it right yeah, yeah. Like, yeah absolutely the, the difference between doing a good job and a shit job is very little absolutely really little maybe mm. like one step one wipe yeah one smile yeah do you know what I mean? exactly it, it really is that what what makes a good burger in your view um, a good burger, not too much bread. The bread's just there to hold everything together. Um, the um, good quality ingredients. Um, and I, I, I've been known to say that it's like um, a symphony. You know, you want to hear, you want to taste every ingredient in the right measure. Just like in a symphony, you want to hear every instrument in the oh. right measure. Honestly. I say exactly the same thing. I say orchestra, yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah. You want to hear it? Exactly the same thing. I swear to God, I've never yeah. heard anyone else say it like that. <laughs> I thought I was a genius. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought about myself, but yeah, exactly. It all comes together, one big bang. Yeah. But you can't pick out individual yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah exactly it the same. Sings. It's a, and and yeah, nothing is overpowering over the other. So it's all about the and I, I mean I like them saucy. I, I like them. Um, I'm pretty condimental. Um, condimental. <laughs> so, Not a condiment. Is that yeah, that? <laughs> yeah. Is that a thing? Condimental. Well, it I made it world. up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You should see fun. my fridge. Um, but yeah, I, I think. Um, look, at the end of the day, each to their own, and you know, um, if people don't like mayonnaise and don't want it in there, well, that's fine. You know, it's like someone ordering a well done steak in a in a restaurant. They're paying for it if that's how they want it. Give yeah, them to it like that. Whatever. Who cares if it goes against your, you know, oh, well, I won't cook that. It's like, well, fuck, they're paying for it. Just yeah. do it. 20 years time, it might be trendy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you never know. Yeah. So I, I think it's just a, a good burger is the sum of its ingredients. Yeah. And um, it's like anything. If you start with shit, you'll end up with shit. But if you start with quality and you respect it and treat it well and... Um, cook it with care and attentiveness and with the customer in mind then you'll, you'll get a decent product yeah where where does um where does social media fit these days within within restaurants um and marketing in general look i think um obviously you know that was one of the things when we first opened huxtable twitter was cool and so did I, you use that as a marketing yeah platform? yeah and and i think we use that uh, um, quite effectively. Um, and then Instagram kind of came along in the early days. And so organically, we uh, we never paid for advertising once, I don't think. Yeah. And organically, we got great momentum and then obviously word of mouth and whatever. But since then, the game's changed a lot. And, you know, the, the funny thing about social media is, um, and I hate to use this term, um, but it's fake news you know people will show you what they want you to believe yeah and what's actually behind is a completely different story so it is it's it's social media is 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 personal and business marketing it's 100% and and people will you've got to take it for that Oh, totally. But, yeah. but you know, one of the things I, I worry about having, you know, uh, Kids daughters is yeah. that, you know, the, 
the pressure to you know peer pressure was bad enough when you're when we were kids yeah but now there's just this which was just someone's older sister or whatever, yeah exactly that was a peer pressure yeah. take a talk of this smoke do you know what i mean yeah. that was it but now it's yeah yeah it's like oh well i have to have that phone i have to have this i have to have that i have to eat at that place i have to wear this i have to always look amazing it's so aspirational yeah so but from a restaurant perspective i think you know it's um it is a great tool for for you know sharing what you do in terms of um, the style of food and how it looks and it's a good way to tell your story it I is think. it and is your honesty as well yeah. like I think it's a good way as long as you're honest like we all have shit days do you know what I mean things yeah. do go wrong like I was speaking to Michael from um, uh, oh my goodness Tivoli Tivoli Road yeah. my bag um, yeah and you know he, he was saying oh yeah we have shit days where nothing, you know, things don't work. Yeah, exactly. And, like, thank, and I said, thank fuck for that, because so, like, we have some real shit yeah. days, you know, like, you know, I've had, we've had some bad ones where we forgot to put the nitrate in in a batch of terrines, and we just had to bin the whole 30 terrines just all in the bin. We had where, I'd in the, su- yeah, the summer this year, we come in, I looked at the fridge, and it was three, de- yeah, I thought it said three degrees, and, went, and it was 30 degrees Aww. in the fridge, all went in the bin. You know, we have these days, and yeah. you've just got to be honest about them, but I think a good way to tell the story is you can show your produce that's coming in, the freshness of yeah, it, how exactly. hard you're working, you know, show you're making stuff to order, you can show. So I think that side of it's really good, but again, it's about being honest, isn't it? Mm, Do you know what I mean? It is, it is. There's a lot of pressure, but also for businesses, I like it in the other way as well, that it's opening a lot of things up. People can't get away, like that Weinstein and all that, you know yeah, like, yeah. People are out, it's a good way, it is a lot of the negatives, but there's a lot of positives that people yeah. can communicate better. You can hit up people on Instagram like we, we did. And yeah. You know, there's a lot of things like that and you can follow people. So it, it is very important in business these days. It is, it is. It and, is. I, and I think also, um, it's interesting, you know, I remember when I was a, a when I was still in high school before I even started working in a, a restaurant, I used to, there was an amazing uh, knife and uh, cookbook shop in Auckland um, called King of Knives that I used to, once I got a car, I used to just go there all the time and look at the cookbooks. and. Um, and so when you wanted to see what was happening out there in the world, it was cookbooks. Yeah. That was it. And so, you know, I remember when Charlie Trotter's books came out and it was like, oh my God, this is mind blowing. Yeah. And, and Anton Mosserman and all of that. But then, and so you actually had to either go and eat at the restaurant or look at the cookbook to see what the food was like. And it was a real experience. Whereas now it's so um, global that, you know, you might, make a kick-ass terrain that's some crazy shit. Someone who follows you in Spain might see it and go, I'm gonna make that, you know? So it's made the industry a lot smaller and the imitators a lot more. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but I think, you know, like, you know, there can be some imitators out there. Yeah, exactly, or calling people. There's good and bad to everything, isn't there? Mm. But what I do like about social media is you're not over a barrel to like papers and yeah. Because some of them have the, the some some of the, some printed magazines and that have their favourites. If you go, you know, if you get a really, year, yeah, and you if you go through it and like every three months it's the same people and you're like, yeah. what's going on here? Like, what is there nothing else going on? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Where now if if you don't fit into that 
or it's just not your style and networking in that way you can still you have promote, your own voice you can have your own voice and promote your own voice and you, you're not you're not over a barrel mm. to these publications exactly I quite like that what do you um, what do you do with relax it seems like you've got a fair bit going on yeah I'm not very good at sitting down um to relax uh, I my garden yeah that's been a godsend the last kind of it was since about October I've been doing that so just driving to the country even the drive there is just nice kind of thinking time and quiet time no phone email you know and then just pottering around in the garden watching you know tending to the plants giving them space you know gardening really um, mirrors life in a lot of ways in terms of um, giving the plants the nutrients they need um, nurturing them giving them space to grow um, and it's um, it's just a nice way just to yeah, take a deep breath I like what you're saying there space to grow and that's we've both got kids and, and mm. that's that's with them as well isn't it yeah. you know what I mean like totally not over the top of them yeah. and, and all you, you've, they've got to have their own space to make yeah. their own decisions make their own mistakes exactly and learn from them and you just guide them I think that you know I I like with kids and that I like that way like if they're going to climb and fall I, my, I, go, I used to go to a physio Mark and his, his wife was a doctor and he used to say if they break their arm we'll get their arm fixed exactly it's no problem but you know it gives them the confidence and I think sometimes you, you can be told you know someone over the top don't do this don't yeah, do that yeah, don't yeah. do this don't do that you yeah. try to protect them what too the much what can I do what yeah, can I do exactly. like, you know what I mean and it's, maybe you get rebel but like, it's exactly the same as plants they need space mm. to grow I, I like that yeah it's, 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 it's been a very um, mindful experience mm. you know it just makes you think about and especially you know I mean over summer everything grows like Triffids yeah. and then at this time of year now I'm like come on what are yeah, you slow. let's go yeah, um, yeah. but but it's it's you know it's doing its thing you know but just just give it time yeah give it exactly some exactly again with kids some grow quick so you yeah. know we've got our money's only three and especially at the beginning mother's group and that I didn't go to them as much, but you would hear like mother saying, oh, he's walking, or it's always like a bit of a competition. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. Is he, is he doing this yet? It's like, <laughs> yeah. like don't, when they're both 18, you know, it doesn't, toilet training, is he toilet trained yet? It's like, he'll, he'll, he'll he's not going to be 10. And yeah. not gonna, it's all in good time. Do you know what I mean? Everything yeah. seems to be in a bit of a rush, and maybe that's just this day and age. Yeah, and I, you know, and in that vein, you know, I've, just redone the menu um, at Merriwell upstairs at Crown. Mm. And um, I, you know, some of the food is a bit different to what the staff, the chefs there are used to doing. And I, when I was training them, I said to them, you know, I don't expect you to be able to run 100 metres in, in less than 10 minutes tomorrow. Yeah. But if you, and this is something that, you know, I, I was lucky enough to see. Thomas Keller and Heston Blumenthal um, at the Food and Wine Festival Theatre of Ideas years ago with uh, Neil Perry as the MC, and Thomas said that one of the things that um, stuck with him when he was a young chef and he um, either someone told him or he thought about it himself, and I, I'm pretty sure a chef that he worked for said to him, you know, same thing. I don't expect you to to get this straight away and be the best in the kitchen but what I would like from you is that every day you try to do um, everything just a tiny bit better and those incremental um, 
bits add up to a lot yeah, like over death, time. Death by a thousand cuts. Exactly. But the other way around. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. every day, just a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit, and then, you know, before you know it, yeah. it's like, oh shit, that was easy. Yeah, over time, yeah. exactly. As long as you, you, you commit, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I agree. What was the best bit of advice you were given? Um, mm, good question. Um, look, I think, uh, Angus was probably um, no. Actually, thinking right back to the the Metro Bar and Brasserie in Tiraka Drive in Pakaranga, um, when I was working on the um, floor, I just started working on the floor. It was maybe even my first or second day, and the the manager there, Nigel, was uh, an awesome guy and like great host and whatever. And the the guy that owned the restaurant was a, an accountant called Graham, who was pretty dry. And, <laughs> the accountant, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I remember I was uh, clearing a table, and I didn't know how to carry plates, uh, th- three plates, and yeah. so I was just stacking them up. And he kind of pulled me aside and said, "You can't do that. You've got to carry." And I said, "Well, I don't know how." And he said, "Well, you've got to learn how because that's not cool, you know." Yeah. And so. And he said, you can do it. You just need to learn how. And so I went home that night and then what I would do at home is I would put three plates in my hand and I'd just walk around with them and pick them up and put them down and just do it. And I guess that kind of taught me, if you don't know how to do something, learn it and then practice it. Yeah. And so it's pretty, It's you know. It's, I get it. It, it's not you you've know. got to put the effort in don't you exactly exactly you get out of everything what you put in and yeah. if you're not willing to to work hard then you won't get results exactly. simple as that I love the saying as you sow shall you reap mm. uh, you know it's it's so true like and it, yeah if you're going to be in it you might as well give it give it your best exactly job. what's the yeah what's the point in half hours yeah none exactly well listen I'm, I'm going to finish off I'm going to ask you a few quick quick fire questions yep uh, brioche bun or white burger roll? Yeah, white burger roll. White burger roll. Yeah. For the record, Huxley burger buns are not brioche. They're not? They're a slightly rich dough, yeah. yeast dough, but they're not brioche, never have been. <laughs> Cooked bacon or green bacon? Do you know what green bacon is? Yeah, yeah, like, like English, gammon. Yeah, English style, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, cooked. Cooked? Oh, yeah. Or Kaiserfleisch, you know? Yeah, okay, yeah. 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 Um, American, Dijon or hot English? Dijon. Dijon. Um, single patty or double patty? Single. Single. And Hellman's or QB? Um, oh God, that's a tough one. Love them both. Probably depends on the application, but I'd probably have to say QB. Yeah, I think I would as well. Yeah. Do you know what I love to eat? We've just finished, but what? Steam rice out the steamer, like out the rice cooker, which I never, I didn't even, before I come to Australia, I didn't, I just had boiled rice. Like, right, you know, oh, just, not like, absorption No, no, just like, you know, <laughs> boiled basmati, like Indian style, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, just boiled rice. Um, and now I have that. Um, mushroom soy. Yeah. The chi- you know the chili, like the, the chili flake, like the Chinese one, it comes in the red jar. Like chi- in oil, chili in oil, oil. Yeah, chili yeah, oil yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got the bits in it, like yeah, roasted yeah. chilies and blend whatever. Yeah, peanuts? Uh, no peanuts, just yeah. no, Beck's allergic to peanuts. That kimchi, yeah. Cubie mayo and avocado, that's it. Fucking beautiful. I love that. 
You know what I used I to have that all the, I have it at least once a week. I absolutely so love good. it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I used to have after school? Um, when I was, you know, a teenager, is I would get two minute noodles and I would cook the noodles, I'd throw away the sachet and I would get um, crushed garlic out of a jar in the fridge yeah. and honey and soy sauce and put that on it. Was it good? It makes it fucking awesome. Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's crazy. And it, and it tastes, uh, I, I buy roast duck from um, Pacific House on Victoria Street. Yeah. And the the sauce that they give you with the roast duck reminds me so much of that. It's yeah. hilarious. It's amazing, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, on that note, thank you very much. I really appreciate time, and I know you're a busy man, and to give me an hour, an hour and a half of your time, whatever, I most appreciate it. Thank you very much, Daniel. Pleasure, thank oh, you. Before we go, I always forget this. Where can people grab your Instagram and all the rest of it? Oh, uh, Chef Daniel Wilson, um, for what I'm doing, and for what my garden's doing, hectic underscore broccoli. Beautiful. Um, and if anyone wants to hit you up about getting consultancy or yeah, anything, yeah, uh, just through Instagram, or website. I have a website, yeah. um, DanielWilson.co, just .co. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, and they can send an inquiry through that, or yeah, um, I think these days, you know, with the with the business profiles on Instagram, you can even call, you know, yeah, or email, yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. So it's easy to get in touch. With easy you. to stalk. Yeah. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thanks again. Have a good one. Pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please share with friends or give us a rating and review on iTunes or your podcast app. And until next week, have a good one.